Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Plus podcast app. Now we come to the book of 1 Peter. So let's take a look back at some of the details concerning this writer. We remember that he sure was a knucklehead back in the Gospels. Remember when he rebuked the Lord and told him that he surely wouldn't die, and then the Lord called Peter Satan? Remember when Peter answered on behalf of the Lord that Jesus does pay the temple tax? And when the Lord asked him about it, he asked Peter, Peter, do the sons of the king pay the tax for the people? Obviously, the answer is no. (laughs) So Peter absolutely missed that uh, question there. What about the time when Peter told the Lord that even if all forsook him, he would never do it and that he would even die before he forsook him? And then not too long after that, Peter denied the Lord three times. These are just a few examples of who this author was prior to being born again with the life and nature of God, and that that life and nature of God would transform him into a person that could write this epistle. Peter was a knucklehead. He thought he was better than everybody. He thought he knew everything. He was um, very quick to jump and be the first person in line and to uh, make a show of himself. But we see here with this epistle that a person... um, coming from that background, has to be completely transformed in order to write the words within this book. So let's jump into this epistle right now. This epistle is written to sojourning believers dispersed in the Gentile world. However, the principle of being sojourners can apply to all believers because we as the believers, we don't have an earthly home. We have a heavenly one. And the main subject of this book concerns the government of God. So this book is going to describe how God deals with his people. He works in their environment. He operates within and without of the believers so that regardless of the situation the believers find themselves in, anything and everything that happens to them is a part of God's governmental dealing. But there's a purpose. It's so that the believers can be soaked with God's life and nature and brought into the full experience and enjoyment of the living hope, the heavenly inheritance that Peter mentions in chapter one. So let's dive into the chapter. After a quick introduction, we are brought into the operation of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father, He chose us in eternity past. The Spirit worked in our lives to separate us to the extent where we could obey the gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ would be sprinkled on our behalf experientially so that we could be ushered into God's presence. That's verse 2. Then Peter goes on to talk in verse 3 about the matter of being regenerated unto a living hope. So, when we believe in the gospel, not only were we ushered into God, but we were also regenerated. We were born again with God's life. This second birth gave us a living hope. Now, what is a living hope? It can be likened to the hope that parents have when they have a baby. When the baby is born, they have, they have all these joyful and wonderful expectations and, and dreams for the future of their child. But all these expectations, all these dreams, all these wonderful experiences they want to see happen to their child, all of this is, it hinges on the growth and development of the life of the child. So in the same way, We are regenerated into a living hope. 
we have received a life that comes with marvelous expectations, wonderful experiences, but that is all contingent on that life continuing to grow within us. Now, for that life to grow within us, Peter brings us to the matter of trials in verse 6 and 7. Trials are unavoidable. It comes with the human life. But through these trials, if we continue loving the Lord, as mentioned in verse 8, enjoying the Lord, especially through hard times, we will receive the salvation of our souls. So jumping down further in the chapter, Peter says we need to be sober and that we need to be fashioned according to the Holy One who called us and that we should be holy in all of our manner of life. Talk about a high charge. How can this happen? Well, the basis on us being holy is that God is holy. In verse 16, Peter says, Because it is written, you shall be holy, because I am holy. And then I love this. Going on in verse 17, Peter says, If you call as Father, Father. So the Holy One in verse 16 is our Father in verse 17. And God is our Father because we have been begotten of Him. And through our being born of Him, we have received the holy nature of our Holy Father so that we can be holy like He is. However, prior to receiving the holy nature of God, Peter reminds us of the sacrifice of God's Son on our behalf to accomplish redemption. In verses 18 through 19, Peter says that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. Peter's the only one in the Bible that uses this phrase, the precious blood. Remember Peter's background? All those mistakes, all those failures? He learned the effectiveness of the blood of Christ in his life, and it became so precious in his eyes. It is by the blood of Christ that we can be forgiven and washed from our sins and that we can receive the holy nature of God into us through regeneration. And that's how the chapter ends. It ends with being regenerated by an incorruptible seed through the living and abiding word of God in verse 23. It is through regeneration, which is based on the Father's choosing, remember at the beginning of the chapter, it's based on the Father's choosing, the Spirit sanctifying, the Son's redemption, that we receive God's life and nature. And as we live under God's government, during life's ups and downs, we allow God with his life and nature to operate within us, to transform us to the extent that we express him in our life as we sojourn on this earth. I hope you have a great day and thanks for tuning in.